Charlie Ekstrom, thanks so much for joining. Uh, Charlie is a fifth year, I wrote, stud athlete uh, competing for uh, Stanford and beach volleyball, uh, where she earned her bachelor's in architectural design, correct? Yep. And then your master's in communication. Uh, she's originally from San Diego, California. Were you cheering on the Aztecs last night? Oh yeah, big time. I was I was a yeah. little heartbroken that they didn't pull it off in the end, but big San Diego girl, so I was very much rooting on SDSU. <laughs> did they have a beach volleyball team? They did not. Actually, none of the San Diego schools have beach volleyball teams, which is kind of a crime against humanity, if you're asking me, because yeah. there's so much talent that comes out of San Diego for beach volleyball, <laughs> but we all have to go a little north or a little east or a little south, like anywhere that isn't San Diego to be yeah. able to play beach volleyball in college. But not South Bend. No, unfortunately not <laughs> South Bend. <laughs> um, so when I was thinking about um, that that question, right, if you were supporting San Diego, and I thought about, I think I, I saw in one of your previous podcasts that you guys didn't have a, a beach volleyball team maybe, what, 10 years ago or so? Yeah, actually, um, on that, we had, I think yesterday was like the 10-year anniversary of volleyball starting. It was something crazy like that, that I was like looking at it, or maybe it was 11 or 12 years ago, but it was somewhere around there that, I mean, NCAA beach volleyball is the newest NCAA sport, and so it's fair to assume that there's a lot of programs that are still like, I mean, there's a lot of programs that are up and coming, like UT just got a team for the first time ever this year, like... Texas. So there's a lot of places that are still developing, but I mean, we're still very new to campus in the scope of like the sports teams around. And UT being Texas? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So my, my thought when I was thinking about that was because the San Diego, like the Aztec, they were unranked coming into the season. Like the AP poll 25 didn't have them within, you know, their ranking. Um, and then, so for you guys, and what I heard you talking about was kind of that um, that journey of of not even having an existing program to now competing for national championships, right? And I think it speaks volumes to the caliber of, of athlete they have at Stanford and that they're able to recruit, even when it's a new program. So I would love for you to chat or talk to us about that and, and how you guys uh, – over your last five years have progressed as a program? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Stanford and Stanford athletics in general has this like overwhelming, like culture of excellence, which is something that I'm super proud to be a part of just because of the fact that like you walk around this campus and you're like, wow, like there's just so many great people doing so many great things. And there's just like this absolute, like overwhelming sense of like, we're going to do something great here, whether that be on the athletics field or facility or whether that be in the classroom. And I think that that like culture in and of itself, like breeds a lot of really strong, like and powerful athletes. But then when I came here on a visit, I mean, I came here on a visit, I think it's like six years ago now, which feels like forever ago. No, I think it might've been like seven years ago now, something like probably, that. Probably seven. Yeah. yeah, probably seven. Cause I'm thinking I'm a fifth year. I committed when I was a junior. Like, I'm like, wow, yeah, that was a long time. It might be eight, Charlie. No, it's seven. It's seven. I'm not that old. Um, but when I remember coming here, I mean, the program was so fresh still. I Like, they had the, – the majority of the team was indoor players. And when I was coming here and when I was wanting, like, to explore the opportunity of playing at Stanford, I was committing – 
to helping build something. Like that was something that was a big part of the conversation was like, hey, we're not the program that we want to be right now, but we want to get there and we want you to be a part of something that builds. And yeah. I was like looking around on this campus, like getting the tour, like everything, my jaw was just like wide open the whole time. And like, as you said, I was an architecture major. I'm looking around at all the buildings and I'm like, oh my God, it's so pretty here. Like, I just want to be a part of this. This is something that's so amazing. And it's been yeah. such an amazing experience the last five years, getting to be a part of it. But I think really that like culture of excellence convinced me to buy in on something that was definitely in the development stage. I mean, I've said it on like prior podcasts before, but like we went 11 and 18 my freshman year. We were unranked. We were not the program that we necessarily wanted to be. But two years later, we were competing for a national championship title. And that really speaks to this like we were all committed to buying in and wanting to make the program better and wanting to develop this program into a winning program and now we've got this culture where it's like okay we are a winning program now like any loss that we get like we're upset about like before oh my god like we took a set off of usc now it's like okay we lost three two and we're like we're coming back for blood on the next match because of the fact that we're not gonna sit by and let other teams walk over us anymore and i think that we've got a lot more players in the program now that just contribute and are committed to that excellence. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's such a common denominator when you walk on any campus that is just, you know, filled with success and excellence. Right. And that's standard. Um, And it's almost scary. Like that's like, especially at Stanford, just how competitive, literally every component of your life is, right? Especially if you're a student athlete. Um, so I'm assuming, that I, I'm sure you're that way in the classroom and, and every part of your life. Um, but that's awesome. And that's a great story. Um, but then now, right, I think you, you're also talking about legacy, right? And, and what that means for you. Um, I think it's bigger than you individually, right? I'll let you talk to it, but you did build up a program. You were a massive part of that. Uh, and you're now reason we're here today is because you are the all time winningest and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, I mean, it said the third all time winningest or, uh, or, uh, um, I don't want to botch this. Right. But, uh, and you can correct me here, but you're 59 and 48. Right. And so you moved up from there actually. So I'm okay. Up- so there's been more. Yeah. So I, th- I know I don't know what the losses are. I can probably equate really quickly. I think that I'm seventy two and fifty eight now. I can double check okay. that really quickly. That's a that's a quick like. That's uh, a quick double check. They need to update the they need to update the uh, uh, the Cardinal website. But um, but yeah, just having that title of the all time winningest beach volleyball player at Stanford after the program only being um, up for 10 years uh, plus, what does that mean to you? And um, what do you hope, you know, transpires for the program and some individual players uh, for, for years to come? Yeah, so I think being the all-time winningest player, it's like funny to like say it because I never really expected that with my career. Like I was saying, I was committing to building something as opposed to like, I'm committed to wanting to be a part of something that's already this big winning culture. Like I knew that I wasn't going to get the wins in the early part of my career. That was like something that I wasn't necessarily, I like looking back on it. I don't know if I knew that I was going to get as many losses as I got, 
but I knew that we weren't going to get necessarily get the wins. Um, and the losses stung still because it was like you wanted to be able to contribute, but you just weren't like, we just didn't have the strength and the depth that we could have or that we do now. Like I look at it now and it's like, wow, like I don't know if I would have had the same career at Stanford now that I did when I was a freshman in college or when I did that I did when I was a sophomore, because we just have this culture of competitiveness and that we have this depth to our program now that's so much greater, which is amazing. But I think being able to like leave here knowing that I'm the all time winningest now. I mean, we've got five weeks of season left. I plan on adding more wins so that it's harder Absolutely. to get harder to attain. Amen. Uh, but I mean, I think it's really cool and I think that like my legacy is that I was able to help start something and that the people before me, like we all were able to help start something and create this really awesome piece to the puzzle. And then yeah when we move forward, when I move on, I hope that people can beat my record (laughs) because that just means that Stanford's even greater than it was when I was here. I mean, at the end of the day, like whatever I have now, I think it's 72 wins now after these last couple of weeks of competition. It's awesome. Like it's a super huge, super cool feat to have, but it doesn't mean anything if Stanford's not getting titles. And I know that when they start winning titles, when we start winning titles, that's because of the fact that we're creating this greater culture of winning and we'll have people who are hopefully hitting hundred win marks that we're hopefully like yeah. taking significantly less losses than <laughs> I had to take in the beginning. Don't yeah. knock your losses, Charlie. Yeah. They're, they're lessons, right? They're lessons. And I mean, I like, I follow like Michael Jordan quotes pretty religiously. And so many of his quotes are on the fact that you have to fail in order to succeed. Right. And I mean, you like there's so many that say that success is really described and really determined by how often you fail and i've failed so much like before (laughs) i've lost so many games able to win because of the fact that i've learned so much from losses like i hate losing probably more than the average human being like i'm way too competitive you'll ask anybody around me and they'll all say that i'm crazy competitive but at the end of the day i look at losses as opportunities for growth And it's like, I hate losing, but at the end of the day, it just means that there's an opportunity for me to grow and to be better and to improve my game as opposed to being on the top, like is really fun, but it's a lot harder to look for things to fix when you're winning than when you're losing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And awesome. You said, Uh, and then kind of going on that same, you know, using that to kind of pivot into name, image and likeness and, some of that wisdom that you have at such a young age, old in college, but young in, in life. Um, you're, you're working in the community. You've taken the NIL uh, opportunities to do much more than just land monetization opportunities. Um, and you've built uh, a philanth- uh, philanthropic um, program, right? Cardinal community. So would love to understand what you're doing there, how you're helping some of these underserved um, communities and uh, and what we could look for in that. Absolutely. So Cardinal Community, I've always been somebody who's had a very philanthropic mindset and like orientation, just like service mindset. I really thrive and build a lot of who I am as a human being off of my connections with others. And so I think that community service came pretty naturally to me because all of it is inherently like building connections with others and making making the world a better place by serving different connections and finding different connections and ways to make places better. Yeah. Uh, and 
I was really, really philanthropically oriented all through middle school, all through high school. I was part of a couple organizations that just allowed me to have that kind of footing to set. And then when I came to college, when I came to Stanford, I realized that there wasn't necessarily the same opportunity of like being a super philanthropically oriented student athlete. There wasn't a specific organization dedicated solely to community service opportunities for student athletes. And so I had worked like with the Student Athlete Advisory Council, SAC, for a couple of years um, prior on their like community service branch. And then my junior year in 2021, right after I finished that, we had decided in SAC that they were going to kind of split from their original model and they're going to work more on the student athlete development side and they were going to let the subcommittees kind of dissolve. So my community service subcommittee dissolved and I said, what if I started an autonomous community group on our own that was just a group dedicated solely to community service for student athletes. And so that was kind of the birth of Cardinal Community. Um, And as a result, like we've created this org of, I want to say somewhere like 70 student athletes where we're really focused on just providing and engaging student athletes in philanthropic endeavors and philanthropic engagement opportunities. And so we've been doing that for a couple of years. This is our first year where we actually get to like do a bunch of in-person events where we actually like we're past the pilot stages and the rough bumps um, to where we actually are seeing a lot of successful events now. And we're doing like one big one per quarter and a couple little smaller community engagements where we don't necessarily get the whole group out, but we get a couple student athletes here or there just with smaller opportunities. And that's been a huge part of like my career with Stanford in general is like finding ways that I can volunteer on top of doing the school and on top of doing the volleyball because at the end of the day, like school and volleyball can get a little bit overwhelming, but taking the step back and like maybe putting that on the back burner for a second to go out and get a day to volunteer has like kept me very grounded and balanced. And it also kind of like, like we were talking about with name image likeness, it's kind of inspired me with what I choose, like what brands I choose to represent, what brands I choose to contact. Like I'm always thinking about outreach and engagement and what brands I can represent from a scope of like what their mission statements, what their mottos are, what their goals are with their company, because I don't want to represent a brand that doesn't necessarily, it isn't indicative of like what my own personal goals, mottos, lifestyles are. It's always kind of like, my own personal brand needs to kind of match up with the brand that I'm representing. Cause if it doesn't, then it doesn't really make sense for me to go out and promote it on social media or promote my presence. It's like, Hey, this is a brand that I choose to represent. Like, and then people look at it and are like, well, why? Like what, what's the why behind it? And I always want to be able to have that why behind it. Right. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to say that's awesome after all your answers. Cause I think they are, <laughs> I think they are all great. Um, so has the has the university or have you guys been familiarized with any of the collectives revolving around Stanford? I know there's one, I believe, that's kind of uh, launching here shortly. But like, has the university supported or or the collectives? Have they supported your efforts with Cardinal Community or just in general, like student athletes and their NIL endeavors or or community service endeavors? Yeah. So. Absolutely with Cardinal Community. We have our student athlete development office. Um, I think it's like called Dash, our advisors. Like they're the coolest human beings ever. And they're my advisors have become like such a vital part to my life now because of the fact that they've been there every step of the way with Cardinal Community from like its yeah. original birth to now where it's like a pretty successful student athlete org. Yeah. And 
They've also put us in the light, in like the limelight and the connection with Stanford Athletics administration. And so I've been able to work really closely with Bernard, our athletics director, and work pretty closely with other athletes, athletics administration to where we get to kind of put our efforts more at the forefront of what administration, like their knowledge is of what student athletes are doing. And I think that a huge part of that was in kind of that split from SAC, like instead of just thinking of this over big umbrella of SAC and that's what all student athletes do, like there's so much more to what student athletes do than just what SAC covers. And a big part of that is our presidents, they had worked with athletics administration to get things more at the forefront. We have a leadership council that I serve on now. There's separate entities that are working to make sure that all student athlete voices from every team are heard. and all of that has been a big part in the last two years of just increasing engagement and increasing interaction with admin so that there's just a higher presence of like we want to know what the student athletes feel what they think what they do instead of being just the people who make the decisions for the people without knowing what they're actually wanting they're actually doing and so i think that i've been able to see a big shift because i don't think i necessarily thought like my freshman sophomore year that stanford was super on top of that kind of stuff but now that i look at it i'm like wow okay we have actual tangible things that we're working for that we're engaging student athletes with administration and working to make it better um and then from the nil perspective we actually have an nil office and like we have an nil officer now with um katie bridge she's katie holloway she's also super cool because she's an athlete paralympic gold medalist for sitting volleyball she's the mvp of the paralympics like yeah and so she comes in from an athletics perspective and she's like i'm an athlete i'm an olympic athlete or paralympic athlete and i know kind of this lens and so i'm here to help the athletes that's what she always says she's like i'm here to help you guys and make these opportunities more present for you more engaging for you so yeah yeah that's great uh that's great not awesome um uh (laughs) Bernard Muir has been great, and we've seen him around the country at a lot of the conferences, and, and his ear is, seems to always be to the ground in terms of wanting to understand NIL and the evolution of, of the space um, for you guys. So, you know, it sounds like you guys are on the right track. Um, you might have just moved slower, right, like Notre Dame and some other schools just have their way of moving, right, and it's not always the fastest. and you know, they have a lot to protect, right? And a lot's on, on the table for those types of schools. So completely understood, right? But I think the, the conversation around Katie and yourself around uh, Olympics, Paralympics, uh, sport athletes, and what name, image, and likeness means, I uh, would love to get your kind of, your insight uh, into that and, and specifically um, even for, for female athletes. So if you wanted to answer in two separate um, segments by all means, but you know, what does it mean for Olympic athletes? And then what does NIL mean for, um, female athletes? Yeah. So NIL for Olympic athletes, I think it's a really cool opportunity to kind of start getting our feet in the door when we're in college. And when we kind of have that, like almost like most prominent opportunity to like be seen and heard and known. Um, I think coming from the perspective of beach volleyball, And there's a lot of Olympic sports like this. Just my greatest knowledge is obviously in the sport I play. But when you go and move into the professional side of the sport, 
there's not a super high payout when it comes to when you're playing on the tour. I mean, you're funding your own travel, you're like unless you can get sponsors to pay for it. And so fame mm. image likeness comes in when you can start doing it in college and start establishing these connections with brands from an early point. It's mm. a really cool opportunity to be able to move forward when you kind of take that next step into your professional career and move forward. You've already got that kind of brand establishment. You've created your own personal brand. I mean, prior to name image likeness, I was already thinking about like, what am I putting on social media? What am I posting? Like, how am I using this to be able to set up my own brand as best as I can to be able to have sponsors once I enter that professional landscape? Like how are sponsors going to be able to look at me and say, we want this girl to represent our brand more than we want others. And now it's cool because I can do that from a college perspective. It's like, okay, I'm a Stanford athlete. I have these accolades. I have these titles. This is all a piece of brand building, but my brand is getting built before I step out on the professional scene. And so it's like, okay, I already have some sponsorships that are secured. I already have some partnerships that are right there that I can then build from and that I can also use as leverage when I'm kind of looking for sponsorships and other perspectives. So like coming from the Olympic sport perspective, it's awesome because we kind of need that. We need that opportunity to be able to grow and to be able to get like gain greater insight in sponsorship payment because of the fact that that's how our sports are funded in the long term. There's not this big payout. Like we don't get a salary. There is no salary in beach volleyball. It's sponsorship revenue. Exactly. It's sponsorship revenue. And if you can place in the top 5% of all players, um, and in the U.S., that's a very deep pool for professional beach yeah. volleyball players, at least. And in a lot of Olympic sports, the U.S. is so deep in these athletes. And so we fund yeah. ourselves through sponsorships. It's We're not going to get paid. Like, our, our salary, our earnings are not going to be solely from winnings. They're going to be largely from sponsorship. Yeah. And so you've done deals with, what is it, Rebel, uh, Blenders, and then, you know, you're doing a podcast, I would imagine, is, is kind of along the lines of your – NIL and uh, initiatives. Um, can you speak quickly to each of each of those, uh, and, and maybe some of the other brands that are uh, are invested in the uh, beach volleyball space that you know might be interested in working with mobile athletes? Yeah. So so Revly is. I've been partnered with them for a couple years since the starting. Also, sorry, I'm going to restart that. Do, is there a weird feedback for you right now? Yeah. My end. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. That was so weird. It kept getting louder and louder. Yeah, it kept getting louder, and I was like, whoa, that's a very interesting feedback. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from, but I was yeah, like. I yeah, yeah, I don't know what it sounded like, but. Um, Do we no, want to start over? And I'll also say maybe start the question over because it's Rev Lee, not Revel. Rev Lee? Yeah, it's L-Y instead of Y-L. I'm just reading oh, okay. that. I must have read it wrong. Um, looking at the question. Yeah, we don't want, you know, if they're a potential sponsor, we don't want them being like, the fuck is he doing? You know what I mean? So, exactly. Uh, all right, cool. So, um, speaking to some of those, right, that you guys are uh, primarily sponsorship uh, oriented and based, and that's how you earn your income as a professional uh, athlete. You've done deals within the name, image, and likeness space with, with Revly. Which is an active swimwear uh, brand, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, Blenders, which is an eyewear 
and then uh, you're you're a host or a co-host of a podcast, which I would also imagine is is uh, a name, image, and likeness initiative. So, would love for you to talk to each of those, and maybe if there's some other brands that you know of, right, that might be interested in working with mobile athletes or some of your teammates uh, who are still in college. Yeah. So. I've loved partnering with Revly. They've probably been my most consistent sponsor for and like NIL deal since the start because I've been partnered with them for I want to say two years now. Um, and they've been awesome. So I love like it's also nice because I like beach volleyball, like such a huge part of like our playing is like that we're comfortable and that we're like able to actually perform in the things that we're wearing. And it's like beach volleyball players, we play in swimsuits. Like there's a lot of like factors that go into comfort and discomfort in what we're wearing. And so being able to find a brand that was like, we want to sponsor you. And that I also really, really liked their product was awesome. And so every year that I've like been asked that they've asked me to sign on to be an ambassador or to be like just a sponsored athlete with them again, I'm like, heck yeah, I want to, like, I love your product. I love your brand. I love what you stand for. Um, they're awesome. And they're like, they're working to kind of like break into that beach volleyball scene specifically because it's and like work into the scene beyond beach volleyball as well but they've kind of started at the beach volleyball end and so it's been so cool to be able to work with them from kind of like the start of my nil dealings and then blenders god i love blenders they're awesome i love their sunglasses again like it's another thing that it's like i look for brands that i can really stand by their like motto and their like mission statements but it's really nice when you like the product also and blenders is sick and they're also a san diego based company and so being a san diego based athlete that's a huge part of my own identity and so when they contacted me and were like hey would you be interested in being a blenders athlete it was like i was like yeah let's test out a couple pairs of sunglasses but really i think i knew that i wanted to say yes because i've had pairs of sunglasses before um they're like been the two main partnerships that i've been able to have and have loved being able to work with both of those companies because of the fact that they are just awesome. Like they've just been incredible to work with. I've done deals with Allbirds as well through Mogul. Um, and I've done a couple Ooh. other like little mini partnerships here and there and working from back and forth and been the co-host on the viral volleyball podcast. Um, that's been, that originally started as just like a little side project and then has just become a huge part of my identity. And, like, it's so fun, like, joining on other new podcasts now because of the fact that I'm like, oh, I have this background with podcasting, um, with starting with Rob on Viral Volley, and then just honestly, like, I feel like a greater comfort in doing it. And so he's been a huge part of just kind of, like, it again, it's, like, creating your brand, but also, like, creating it with things that you love. And it's, like, I'm a total volleyball nerd, so it would make sense to go on a volleyball-based podcast and just be able to talk about that. And so... It's been really cool. Yeah. And you're just a great uh, communicator, it sounds like. I guess you did minor or major in uh, get your master's in communication. So, yeah, I was going to say, I better I be a good so. communicator. At yeah. This. Yeah. Master's in communications. I always laugh with my coach because he said something like that. He's like, Yeah, like your communication, you're really on top of it. I'm like, I better be at this point. If I want to get at communications, my degree isn't worth anything. <laughs> right. No, that's funny. Um, uh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's awesome again. Thanks for sharing that on the NIL side. Um, and then last question before we get into kind of just the, uh, the shoot and fire is, you know, I, I, my mom is an inspiration. My family, um, they've just, they, they've support, supported me uh, through my athletic career. 
and then now through my entrepreneurial uh, career, both having inconsistencies, uh, failures, tons of failures, more so, and lessons. Um, but you also spoke highly of your parents and some of the other folks around you that um, kind of been that guide for you, right, in that village, right? Um, so would love to, would love if you expanded on that and kind of took a, a, a deeper dive into what they mean to you. Absolutely. So my parents, yeah, like I, similar, my parents have been like a huge source of my inspiration pretty much through my entire life, just because they're the two hardest working individuals that I've ever met. And I don't think I will ever know anybody who works harder than my parents. I mean, my dad I also come from a much different background than like the stereotypical, like especially stereotypical like Stanford student, but also like stereotypical just like lifestyle because my dad is actually a fisherman. Like he owns and runs a 95 foot sport fishing boat in San Diego. So a huge piece of like my identity is that we grew up around fishing boats and that's like a big piece to the puzzle. But like when you're working on boats, I mean, when my dad goes to sea, are the trips are anywhere from a day and a half to 21 days long and he's working 24 7 during that time and like they maybe get like 30 minutes of sleep and then they have to pop up and be ready to work for another seven hours or be on their feet at all times and so coming from somewhere where it was like when like our a phrase that my dad used to always say was like when the going gets tough instead of like the tough get going like that typical that typical phrase it's like when the going gets tough the tough double down like you double down on how hard you're working like we always like nobody's gonna outwork the extremes that was kind of like always what my brother and i like growing up that was what we always knew and my mom was a college athlete as well she played volleyball at uc santa barbara i didn't even know that she played volleyball in college until like after i had started playing volleyball that was also a whole thing like she wanted to make sure that i chose the sport for me not for her Um, but i mean by her senior year she was like working three jobs simultaneously to be able to pay for college and then immediately left college and just started grinding working like she loved volleyball that was a huge piece of it she coached she did a lot of other different things but she also was working full-time and just like nose to the grindstone like both of my parents like I said like they're the hardest working people that I know and they've created this like again like the culture of success at Stanford is awesome but the culture of success in my high or in my home the culture of success in my home is like so much stronger and so like coming here i was like okay this feels like home because of the fact that everybody's like adding to this kind of depth and this culture and i'm already so used to working really hard like nobody works harder than the extra so i'm gonna just keep on doing kind of like what that following that foreground that my parents set up for us and so i mean them serving as an inspiration is just like it's it's easy to let them serve as my inspiration because of the fact that they work so hard, they do so many incredible things and they've been such incredible sources and leaders and I don't know, wonderful human beings on top of it all. So, I mean, again, yeah, it's awesome. And serve as my inspiration. So that's phenomenal. Let me use a synonym. Let me use a synonym. (laughs) All synonyms. That's I'm like looking for synonyms too, instead of just saying yes to everything. Like, yes, I can answer the question. It's like, absolutely. Definitely (laughs) can answer that. It's always like trying to find a synonym to try and make it sound different each time (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's exciting that's phenomenal Um, that's beautiful no Um, thanks for those and then yeah the last three rapid fires um, and then anything else that you want to close out with I appreciate you throwing the mobile 
uh, the mobile plug out there for your all birds deal. Always. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and happy that you're a supporter of the platform. But the last, last three, really, really quickly, what's, wor- what's one word that sums up your time at Stanford? Ooh. Um, I'll say excellent. <laughs> it's been a recurring theme here. Definitely. Um, what's one word you hope people use when they remember you within the Stanford community? I think one word I hope is driven like that's what i think i want to be known as is that somebody somebody who's always constantly driven mm-hmm. that's a good one and then the last one i had was what's more one word i can't speak correctly what's <laughs> one word you think of when thinking uh of nil and where it needs to evolve to i think ooh, i don't know if i have one word for this i think right now when i think of it from especially kind of we had talked about this to start like from the scope of like my experience of it and like with Stanford is like they're working to make it better but right now I still think of NIL as a little bit hidden um or a little bit less accessible than like I don't know if it's less accessible than I might expect it might be as as accessible as I would expect it to be but I think I don't know if I can answer it in one word because I think that NIL is such a growing like concept and growing like piece to the puzzle and we see I actually remember that I didn't even answer this from the scope of like female athletics but I think that NIL is such an important piece of female athletics because of the fact that again like from the same scope there's a lot there's complete parity in pay for beach volleyball but there's not parity and like complete equity in pay from pretty much any other like, like money profiting or just professional athletics career like there's just significantly less money in the female side of things which sucks um it's working like there's growth that's being done but at the end of the day like there's that's just a straight up fact is that women do not make female professional athletes do not make even close to as much as male professional athletes do so i think that nil begins to work to level level the playing field a bit and i look at like i have a really really close relationship with our women's basketball team here and like those women's basketball athletes are actually like our greatest NIL profiting athletes like on campus. And so that's something that's so cool to see that they're out profiting a lot of the other male sports. They're also just phenomenal athletes and their team is incredible and they're great human beings. But on top of that, it's really cool to see that that's kind of like they're setting up that like culture of like the female athletes are where NILs, the big money is. Um, And so I'm hoping that being a smaller sport, I mean, again, like I was saying, like beach volleyball thrives off of sponsorship payment, but I'm hoping that as that smaller sport, as NIL keeps on growing and expanding, it becomes less hidden for smaller sports and becomes more accessible from a scope of profit for smaller sports. Um, Because of the fact that, I mean, there's always going to be that kind of like difference in being an Olympic sport versus being a big money maker in the U.S., but I'm hoping that NIL may start to level it a little bit yeah and that's primarily that's why i was pointing out our our logo here it, i mean that's the that's the premise of the mobile platform is to democratize access to nil opportunities for all athletes um including olympic female sports um that's our that's our goal at mobile and uh, we're proud to say that we've done that at scale but um no that's it thanks so much charlie again it was truly amazing having you uh, good luck the rest of uh, the rest of the season. Um, extend that that record that you have and that title that you have. 
uh, get as many victories as you can. And, and thanks again for, for joining. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so fun to get to chat about. Definitely working to expand that record so that it's yeah. just a little bit harder. Like, again, I hope somebody, <laughs> but I just want to make it a little bit harder for them. <laughs> yeah, don't make it too easy. Exactly. <laughs>